Hello, and welcome to another episode of Ask a Nurse for the Self-Care Unit. It's me, Joe. I'm here with Carly and Sarah, as always. And for this week's episode, I want to talk to them about how to cope with making mistakes, particularly as nurses. Uh, Mistakes are a part of life. Sometimes the anxiety of making a mistake as a nurse can cause more stress for nurses than the job itself. I think that's a pretty universal experience. And uh, I think what's more, uh, everyone likes to pretend they're rare and they never happen, but they happen all the time. Um, We're human beings, we make mistakes. So what's important is how we cope with them. So today's overall theme is how nurses can cope with making mistakes. First off, how are you guys doing? Good. Doing great. Carly and I got to meet for the first time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. At the Operation Lemonade Gala. It was amazing. It was was. so much fun. It was I missed it already. It went by too fast. Carly wore all black and then I wore like a bright colored outfit (laughs) and we're so much alike, but also like opposites in some ways. And we got to like experience that in a really public space and we had so much fun um together so it was great yeah we got to we had to have a good time so it was good and we also made a lot of california with me yeah we made some like awkward videos for the social media because (laughs) we are always working (laughs) the hustle for the podcast (laughs) and for the pod y'all my our stuff is for the do it for the pod um, our stuff is on the way. We're almost furnished. We went to a thrift store in Los Angeles. Pepe's Thrift Shop. Shout out to Pepe's Thrift, top, thrift Shop. Um, they had a lot of great deals and we're able to furnish our, our bedroom. So that was great. Because, you know, when you're when you're sleeping on an air mattress for like a week, it just doesn't feel like home. And now Ooh. we're going to have like, it's going to start to feel like home. So we're excited. <laughs> Yay! Every day is getting better. I love that. Nice. Welcome home. All right. So I think we should get into the topic for today. And I wanted to start with pretty, pretty, pretty broad of a question because I was getting mixed answers when I was looking through this. Um, but when you are at work, do you feel comfortable admitting if you've made a mistake? Or do you know if any other people around you? feel comfortable I think like when you start in nursing school and you go into clinicals and you kind of observe and you're looking from a different point of view and you see how mistakes are handled in the clinical setting and you see that some nurses might be comfortable sharing with their colleagues that they made a mistake whereas others aren't as comfortable because they've had experience with punitive action or shame associated with mistakes. Um, Nursing has this really ingrained culture of like this weird, like shaming ritual. When there's a mistake, if you, if someone makes a mistake, it gets plastered on a new policy board in the break room, or there's an announcement made at the start or at the end of each shift when people are already exhausted or they're coming in, they just want to do their job, and they have to hear about how this one person made this one mistake that led to this one thing that was absolutely horrible, but it doesn't actually address anything that everyone in the room knows possibly contributed to the mistake, and that's not just an individual problem, most likely. It's that 
hey, I had my charge nurse had five patients. I didn't have a CNA that night. The nurse didn't have the support that they needed. There was no break nurse. So all of these, when it comes to making mistakes in nursing, there's often this like, it's easier to blame an individual instead of actually addressing the problems that lead to the mistakes that happen frequently to begin with. And a lot of times with certain mistakes, you know, you might have nurses who've alerted people to different issues in the past, telling management that, you know, this is going to lead to this problem. And then when it actually happens, it's finally addressed because there's liability or there's some light being shed to it, but it could have been prevented months prior and it was probably already escalated to a certain point. But until something really awful happens, until a patient is impacted, until a sentinel event happens, hospital systems, administration often don't do anything to prevent harm. And that creates this like culture of complacency, creates this culture of shame and blame. And it also increases the incidence of people omitting their mistakes. And that is something that leads to more errors, more harm, more deaths associated with medical errors. And it is one of the biggest contributing factors to to patient harm and to errors in healthcare, to mistakes, because we're too afraid to talk to each other. We're too afraid to talk about what leads up to these, to these mistakes. And it's why like the same mistakes keep happening over and over again. It's not because there's these individuals that are constantly making these mistakes. It's because the system that is creating an environment for this to happen is not addressed. And so it creates this cycle of continued issues. And it's like, Groundhog Day, like, or have we learned nothing? <laughs> yeah, no, you said that beautifully. I was like, it's a cycle. It definitely is. I'm de- I'm a lot more comfortable admitting my mistakes now than I was at the beginning because I was scared. I'm going to get fired. All the older nurses are going to hate me and think I'm stupid. And it's actually, this might be going into further questions, but I, it's very beautiful right now because I am precepting a nurse, a student nurse for her capstone. So it's her senior year. She's about to graduate. And so she's doing her last clinical hours for those who don't know, um, in order to pass. And she had a really bad experience at a previous hospital. There was a lot of bullying going on. She didn't feel comfortable. She at one point told me that she didn't feel like she was even qualified to be a nurse, didn't want to do nursing anymore. Like it was that bad. So it broke my little heart. So I'm like, you're safe here. (laughs) Come hang out with me. Um, So I have the opportunity to do this. And it's really nice because I have no problem telling her like what you just did was not correct, but at the same time, I'm going to teach you the right way to do it. And listen, I've done that a hundred times. Like you forgot to unclamp something and you come back an hour later and it's like that. Of course, she's not doing that because I'm watching her, but stuff like that, that is, you're just totally human. And I wish there wasn't that culture of fear because I think people would learn a lot better. And that's what made me mad about her previous experience. Cause I, she's like, exactly. I couldn't even ask questions to learn the right way because I was terrified of her. So I just kept my mouth shut and I just did what I was told. And I hate that. It's not how people learn. So I'm trying to foster that environment where they can. So yeah. Nurturing and supporting our young instead of eating our young and this expectation of perfection in a deeply human role. That is what causes harm. That's what creates arrogant clinicians who think that they can do no harm. And that in and of itself is harmful. 
that belief is what causes people to practice in a way that is inherently selfish. It is harmful and it is, there's no room for growth when you are not able to actually look inward and think to yourself and believe that you're capable of making an error, no matter how long you've been in a role, no matter how long you've been doing it, no matter how many certifications you have, you can still make a mistake and you should still be able to take responsibility, own up to it, learn from it, grow from it. But if you're not able to do that, that's when you become a clinician that is not safe to care for patients. And this culture toxic, toxic culture within healthcare that is full of punitive action and shame surrounding human error. We're not AI people. We are human beings caring for human beings. That is what contributes to harm. Joe, we love this. We love these questions. (laughs) We are ready this time. This is perfect. A hundred percent. I, I really like that you both touched on some of the things I encountered when I was working on this topic. the first of which is that like sort of weird scenario that like a lot of people report of as they become more experienced and become a veteran nurse, they're more comfortable talking about their mistakes when you should be, uh, well, obviously you should be at the same level of comfort throughout, but it would be more appropriate and it would probably be more helpful if when you were starting out, you were more comfortable talking about your mistakes because that's when you're supposed to be learning and building knowledge. So it's very nice to hear that you are setting a nice tone. Carly. It's super interesting, <laughs> Joe, because re- recently I start like I did some research on, you know, scrubbing the hub because that became a hot topic recently. Um, sp- scrubbing mm-hmm. the hub is basically taking a disinfectant wipe and scrubbing different ports of access for IV medication. And there was like a meme that went around where people were talking about how they don't scrub the hub before accessing medication ports and there was debate because there are devices like curos caps which are these green caps that have disinfect that have like antibacterial um, products inside that are meant to protect Mm -hmm. the line but part of the reason that using those caps can actually lead to more issues is human error because sometimes people might reuse those caps. Sometimes people Mm. don't replace them with a new one, which is how to do the evidence-based way of making sure that it um, actually protects the line. Sometimes someone might drop it and put it back on. You are assuming that it is a clean, fresh Kuros cap that you are accessing And that assumption therein brings risk to the patient if you don't scrub that hub because you don't know if it's actually a fresh Kairos cap. So there's so much discourse surrounding this. And in the evidence and the research that we have, which we have more research surrounding scrubbing the hub, than we do these newer devices because they're newer, right? In that Mm -hmm. research around Kairos caps, around um, active and passive disinfection of lines, Something that contributes to um, CLABSI risk, which is risk for infection, central line associated bacterial or blood screen infections, is increased um, level of experience. So 
nurses or other clinicians who have more experience being complacent in their practice mm. and not changing based on evidence. And yeah. that is where the problem lies. Because when you don't believe that you need to learn, that you need to change your practice based on new evidence, that is when mistakes happen. That's when errors occur. And it's so wild to have like this intense discourse across all of social media where clinicians are like, yeah, in the OR, CRNAs don't scrub the hub at all. Yeah, in this area where it's really important that we reduce infection rates, they don't really scrub the hub. And like these straw man scenarios where it's like, well, if someone's coding, are you going to scrub the hub or are you going to start compressions? And it's like, well, if we don't care about aseptic technique on someone who is dying, right? And we get them back, but we give them a central line infection, <laughs> they're going to die yeah. in a few weeks anyway. <laughs> so it's like these, these, <laughs> it's so interesting to hear this discourse across it all and how heated people get because you get uncomfortable yeah. within your own practice, within your own experience, mm -hmm. within what you've seen. And then you have to start questioning, like, is how I learned this the right way? Am I contributing to harm? Am I not? And it's like the toughest conversation to have in healthcare. Uh, I'm glad we got to like kind of yeah. connect this into it's this It's always changing too. It's like, it's, yeah. But there are, like you said, I was just thinking of a couple of people. There are a lot of older nurses that... And like, well, it was never like this 20 years ago, so I'm not going to do it. It's like, yes, because we have had more <laughs> practice and evidence come out that that's not the right way to do it because we're learning, you know, because everyone is involved or only humans. So there's so much research and there's, we, that's why we have these practice councils, and education councils and stuff that make up shared governance, all these um, parties within nursing because it, we need to learn. <laughs> we're all learning. So it's just interesting. Yeah, Absolutely. And then the other thing I, I heard you guys both touch on is that it's, it really is a, it's not an individual, it's a system that needs to address mistakes. But one of the obstacles is like, if you don't have a system in place that encourages people to talk openly about making mistakes, you're not going to be able to improve the system because you need to like have that data and you need to, you need to be able to figure out what's the problem. So if you don't encourage people or if you encourage them, but you don't actually follow through, which was something I was reading, you, you won't be able to improve. So the thing I kept running into is that like, we need to be able to have a safe space for people to just feel like they can talk about when they messed up. So how, what kind of systems or structures do you think would encourage more nurses to talk about when they have made mistakes? Well, we, you know, we talk a lot about just culture and healthcare systems mm -hmm. will say that they foster a just culture, but that doesn't actually mean that there is a just culture or a safe space to report mistakes. To have a just culture, you need to actually feel comfortable reporting and having that personal accountability, that professional accountability, that internal accountability for yourself and the ability to actually disclose to someone else without fearing 
your livelihood without fearing losing your license, without fearing losing your job. And for the the most part, in settings that aren't unionized, you do not have that just culture because you do not trust. That trust is not there. You don't have people on paper who are on your side, who are actually supposed to advocate for you, no matter what it is Mm -hmm. that happened. And without that just culture, even if it's on paper just culture, even if you have just culture in a policy or in your PR as a healthcare system, that doesn't mean you actually have just culture within your system. And that is the problem in healthcare. There is a lot of optics. There are a lot of policies. But when it comes to actual practice, when it comes to the people who are on the floor actually caring for patients, they do not feel safe in um, admitting to their mistakes and in confiding with anyone about that, especially with the current culture of the current state of healthcare right now. And what we see with clinicians being prosecuted, yada, yada, yada. We won't get into all of that. Yep. But <laughs> no. Yeah. That is the, that is the reality. There is a lot of noise. Yeah. There's a lot of PR, but when it comes to what's actually happening, what is actually rooted in reality, just culture and safe spaces for clinicians do not exist for the most part, yeah. maybe in yep. like some unicorn areas. We yeah. used to have, it just reminded me, we used to have an anonymous box. It was kind of a suggestion box, but it was mostly if you're seeing issues in our unit and you don't want to be shamed for these or you're having issues, regardless of what it may be, put it in this little box. The boss will read it and we'll talk about it at huddle. But then it's awkward because the person that wrote it might be there and you're not going to, you're just going to be so obvious. Like, what? That sounds familiar. But I was just thinking, I like calling myself out here, speaking of mistakes that I've made. Uh, we had a patient a couple of years back. She unfortunately was failure to thrive. She was malnourished, but she it was kind of her choice. Uh, she just did not want to be here anymore. Uh, so she was just done with her care. So I had to do a um, urinary catheter on her because she was retaining urine. And since we're nursing, obviously, that was part of the care. And because she was so sickly as it was and could be possibly TMI, but just loose bowels, everything, everything was dirty. I did the best I could to clean her. We did stale practice. I had another nurse there. I did everything I thought in my power. Then weeks later, my practice counsel nurse, who's one of my friends, but she was like, Hey, uh, this tracks back to you and you caused a UTI on this patient, like a urinary tract infection. But she said, don't worry. You know, this was A, B, C, D, all these things. Clearly she was not good to begin with. We can't really say it's you, but it happened around these 24 hours when you were working, whatever. And I just remember I was new ish cause it was years ago and I was terrified. I'm like, does the boss know? Am I, am yeah. I going to get fired? Am I a bad nurse? Like what, what did I do wrong? I swear I did everything right. You know, I had another nurse there. She can vouch for me, but I was terrified. And luckily the nurse who is the practice counsel nurse was like, don't worry about it. You know, it's not, you're not going to get in trouble. And then I just remember being so relieved because I was like, wait a minute. Like it was one time, it was one mistake. Don't put me in jail. Like, did I kill her? Like all these thoughts were going through my head. And it's so, it's just like, I wish, I wish there was a way like we're talking about to not have these nurses get to that point and know, Hey, 
this happened. Let's talk about it. We do every so often, whatever, like let's have these meetings that we're used to having. And so people know we can just dish it out here. If you're uncomfortable doing something, please let me know and we'll fix it. But this is that culture. Like you talked about, Sarah, it's just so rattling. It's like, oh my gosh, this is, this is my life. And this is people's life. These are humans I'm taking care of. It's terrifying. So yes. Yeah. (laughs) And like with, with the context, Carly, it's, it's reasonable that something like that could happen because of the context. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have all of these factors that increase the risk for the UTI, but because you are the clinician who inserted the catheter at this time, it becomes associated with you as an individual in your practice. Right. And that feels awful and so bad, but within a context, It is reasonable that something like that were to occur, right? And we have that with patient falls and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And you have that ability to actually talk to that educator about what happened. And you learn from that and you grow from that. But not everyone has that. But that's kind of, it's not the ideal, but it's something. Yes. I think the next thing that I really want to address is, and actually you just had an episode that had a lot to do with this, but one of the other big impacts that um, mistakes can have and that we have trouble coping with is uh, negative self-talk. And you kind of just expressed a little bit of that there, Carly, of once the mistake happens, sometimes you don't even need to, like, obviously you're going to be worried about all of the ramifications, but sometimes you just give them to yourself. So what is your experience with negative self-talk and is there any sort of advice you would give to try to move people out of that, that you've picked up? I think for me, I think I spoke on this our last episode with Christine Dierkelet, but for me, I need positive reinforcement. I need, like I just talked about, someone to sit me down, say, yes, you might've made a mistake that's okay. We all do it. I did this during my time or God forbid, but you know, something similar where I feel I am not the only person that's done this on the floor. This has happened before. This is how we got through it. This is how you're going to get through it. And just knowing that it's okay. Everything will be okay. You're not going to get fired. I just need that positive talk in order for me to stop having my negative talk because my voice is a lot louder than other people's in your own head. So that's, I just need that for me. It's very helpful. And just having support to basically rewire all of that. Because <laughs> she's strong in here. She's crazy. Yeah. But I need help. <laughs> <laughs> and I think knowing you're not alone. Have you ever heard that some people don't really do that to themselves? I'm just like, what is that like? No. <laughs> they like don't talk to their themselves in that way. I'm like, can't relate. That must be a blessed existence. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh man. Lucky. My inner monologue should be transcribed and oh yeah it should be documented because yeah those are like that's like a thesis <laughs> yeah it's a lot <laughs> i'm always paranoid that there's some like x-man mind reader professor x it's like dude you need to chill <laughs> like why why are you worried that like you're when i'm on the subway sometimes i'm like have this little like inner monologue where like somebody who's in like their fifties will get on. And I'm like, are they old enough where I'm supposed to give up my seat? Or are they 
not old enough yet where if I give up my seat, they're going to be insulted. And I'm just like this. Like, That's uh, so real. I'm just like, I'm like, just, and then everybody else in the subway is just kind of there. Not everybody. I'm sure other people are doing the same thing. But I've heard that there are people that, that don't do that. I'm like, that must be so what a nice. life. Could never be me. Yeah. It's like it's like Patrick and SpongeBob. It's the inner machinations of my mind are an enigma. (laughs) Absolutely. I really liked how Christine framed it last week, which uh, it doesn't even have to be positive self talk. It has to at least be productive because that like helped me get my my brain around. Because a lot of the times, some self talk can be like toxic, like positivity. Mm -hmm. So it's not actually like helpful to you especially in nursing but if you yeah but if you reframe it as yeah if you reframe it as productive then you're like oh, all right it doesn't have to be like everything's fine <laughs> so <Rainbows. laughs> uh, yeah that that delulu self-talk delulu. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely so and it is it is nice to know that there are at least some people who are there for you when you need them to speak over the voice in your head mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah well it's, it's hard because you think was, i'm supposed to be qualified for this i should know what i'm doing i was trained for this and yeah like sarah spoke about everything is always changing and i'm sure and whatever occupation yeah. you have so it's it's hard to keep up and and like we just changed a lot yeah. of our practice around catheters ironically and when we're supposed to do them and how often we're supposed to do them based on the patient's retention and how much urine they have in them they can't get out that's what that means uh in layman's terms but it's it's just it's hard so i'm like wait a minute now it's different today it's different and for me who is very much an anxious little bean i like to have consistency so it's hard my head (laughs) like what is it today yeah (laughs) and you know another component to this is When it comes to education on changing practices, during the pandemic, like from 2020 to 2022, we barely did continuing education modules because we were in the thick of it, because we literally could do nothing else but care for patients. And so that went to the wayside. Then you think about how if you are extremely short-staffed, your staff is exhausted, burned out, frustrated, If you give them education on something that's new in order to prevent patient harm, but you don't give them their time off, if you expect them to do mandatory overtime, if you're expecting them to come in and pick up shifts, if you're expecting them to overextend themselves, how do you expect them to retain new information to protect patients from harm? It just doesn't make sense. It is not the environment that is supported to create less errors, less mistakes, because you don't have people who have the capacity for more. How do you have the capacity for more information if you are barely getting by, if you are barely meeting your own basic needs at work? It's there's no way it's not going to happen. Speaking of Delulu. So there's so many layers to this. And yeah, uh, yeah, we got to fix the environment. That's like my number one thing. You got to fix the environment. Absolutely agree. It's, it's all downstream from that. I think. Um, I mean, it's so many trickle down economics. (laughs) (laughs) The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. (laughs) Trickle down Uh. education. (laughs) 
Uh, okay. I got one final question for you guys. Um, and it's sort of like basic, but it could be. You can take it as complex as you want. Um, for a lot of people who are new to the profession or new to any profession, one thing they all talk about, or not all talk about, but in blogs and uh, forum posts I was finding is like the basic language that they're supposed to use to communicate that a mistake has been made. Um, what is usually your go-to if, or have you seen anybody else have really good go-tos when something has happened to just first get it out there? What kind of language do you think is really helpful for people to just have in their tool belt? I think providing context, number one, here's the situation, background, as far situation, background, assessment, recommendation. So give them an idea of what it was that happened, what the expectation, uh-huh. what the background is for the patient, what your assessment of the patient mm-hmm. is after the mistake has happened, and... Mm-hmm what you believe is the next step in protecting the patient from further harm. The most important thing when you've made a mistake is alerting someone immediately, immediately being calm, direct, knowing first that the patient is safe. So their vitals are safe. uh, Their vitals are fine. They are alive. They are breathing. They are well, you make sure you document all of that that you have done a thorough assessment of your patient after you've realized you made a mistake. Then you go to your next chain of command. So you go to your charge nurse, if it's nursing. If you are a physician, you go to your attending. You let them know, hey, Mm -hmm. I think I made this mistake. Then that charge nurse, if it's a medication error, they will talk to the pharmacist. Yourself, you will be talking to a pharmacist. You will be talking to the provider. And you will be letting them know what happened, giving, giving them the t- context that they need. If it's something that's time sensitive, if it's a medication that needs to be reversed, if the patient needs to be transferred somewhere, you need to give the be the best advocate for your patient after the fact. Release yourself from any guilt or shame because what matters now yep. is what you do after to protect the patient from subsequent harm. Because if it is something that could escalate very quickly and you omit this, that could mean a patient losing their life or experiencing severe harm associated with this error. But if you are able to be clear, communicate quickly, give background on what happened, communicate what the mistake was, exactly what it was, that allows for the patient to be protected potentially from further harm associated with the mistake that you made. But if you do not report your mistake... And if you don't have the space to report your mistake, if you omit the error, then comes a tidal wave of issues associated with that error because no one other than yourself, and sometimes you don't know that you made a mistake. Sometimes you don't realize it until after the fact. But if you do know that you made a mistake and you can avoid that entire reality from happening and protect your patient from harm, that is the best case scenario. That is the best case scenario. But again, not everyone has the the space and the just culture and the environment to do that. But that is the ideal scenario. Preach. I hope that helps. (laughs) Oh, it's true. And I would also just add in, don't 
be afraid to ask questions. We, like we've mm. all spoken about this whole podcast. We are all learning all the time. We just got into learning on my med surge unit. I am not a cardiac unit, but now we're doing cardiac drip meds. And your girl is not a cardiac nurse. And it terrifies me to think I'm going to start something wrong. The patient's going to, their heartbeat's going to go crazy. They're going to flatline, you know, all these thoughts, which again, negative self-talk, but it's something that I'm learning and I have no problem. Like we had a meeting this morning and I even asked, what is the protocol now? Because it seems ever changing because I need to know in order to keep my patients safe. So don't be afraid to ask questions. And hopefully, as Sarah said, you're in an environment of just culture that you can feel safe to do so and not feel dumb. That's great. I love that, Carly, just knowing what you do, what you don't know and mm-hmm. taking responsibility and accountability for that and being open to learning and changing your practice and improving. And also like, if you are not comfortable starting a cardiac trip, if you're not comfortable with the procedure, with the medication, don't even think twice about trying to get through it on your own, get someone to help you, no matter how inconvenient it may be for that other person. Patient safety trumps convenience every single time. A few more minutes or a few more hours still Protecting your patient, advocating for your patient, advocating for yourself and for your license is more important than inconveniencing someone for part of their shift. So yes. do not be afraid to ask questions. You are Knuff. Period. Yep. <laughs> Full circle. You are Knuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you to both of you. I uh, I actually am really heartened by this discussion because you did this really nice thing of reframing it from mistakes into learning in this really nice way that I think uh, I hope a lot of people really appreciate. Uh, thank you to our listeners as well, as always, for joining us. These episodes are for you. They're, I hope you learned something or took some part of the advice that these two imparted. Um, and as always, reach out to me joe at the selfcareunitpod.com and let us know what you think or questions you want answered on these episodes next week should be pretty fun so it's going to be all about holistic medicine so stay tuned for that thank you guys thanks guys barbie made mistakes too (laughs) bye y'all yes she did